covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. And we do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. We are powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. I'll be your host for the next hour or so as we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers baseball. This show, the first show that we have had since the end of last season, where there's actually true baseball-related activities taking place as pitchers and catchers have reported and they are working out, depending on when you are uh, listening to this podcast. It might already be uh, full squad workouts taking place, but baseball stuff is going on, and that's good news, and that means we are right around the corner from the season getting underway on March 29th when they begin the year playing out in San Diego. A few housekeeping items that we uh, want to take care of before we uh, really get rolling. If you happen to listen to the program on Apple Podcast and you want to leave a review, that would be fantastic and would certainly appreciate that. Uh, if you ever want to get in contact with me, whether you have a comment about something we talk about on the show or you've just got a uh, general comment about anything, you can always uh, tweet at me if you would like, at Matt Pauley on air. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. That is the Twitter handle. If you don't follow me on Twitter, I'd love for you to follow me. But even if you don't follow me, you can still tweet at me and we can talk some brewers uh, on social media. This week on the podcast, we are going to be joined by Kyle Lesneski. He is the managing editor over at Brew Crew Ball. You can also read him at uh, BP Milwaukee, and we got a lot of stuff to get into with him. Interesting day on Sunday. And we record this on Sunday nights. Uh, we recorded Kyle's interview a little earlier on Sunday, but for the most part, the, the content is fresh as of 9.36 p.m. on uh, Sunday night, the 18th of February. But an interesting day on Sunday, uh, Eric Hosmer signs an eight-year deal with the San Diego Padres. That's one of the longer, that's one of the biggest deals uh, so far of free agency to go along with Hugh Darvish and Lorenzo Cain. But also much earlier, Jake Odorizzi gets traded from Tampa Bay to Minnesota. And immediately, immediately, uh, Brewers fans out there saying, well, why weren't the Brewers in on Odorizzi? Especially when you, he, they, they received a mid-level prospect from the Twins. It was really nothing to write home about. And David Stearns was asked about that. And he said something that was, to me, somewhat interesting. About, I'll paraphrase, but basically said, if you're going to make a move like that to go acquire a player, you have to look at the cost of what you're giving up. And you also have to basically ask the question, is this individual significantly better than what you already have? And while he was talking very much in generalities and you know he didn't really specifically talk about Jake Odorizzi, it's pretty obvious that David Stearns doesn't think that he's especially better than any of the options that the team already has. And the team added another potential option during the course of the week when Wade Miley signed a minor league deal. You know, Wade Miley doesn't come to Milwaukee to be a minor league player. Now, it might turn out that way, might begin the season. I don't know if he has an opt-out in his contract or not, but Miley's a guy who's a big league guy. He's been that for a while. Now, has he performed especially well? Not really, especially this past season. I mean, you look at what Miley did last year, and he had an ERA at 5.61 pitching for uh, Baltimore. Obviously, that's not good. But he's also somebody who's had a long, fairly long career in the big leagues and has been spending, you know, his entire time in the big leagues over recent years. 
Uh, last year with the Orioles, 2016, between the Mariners and the Orioles, 2015 with the Red Sox. He was with the uh, Diamondbacks starting in 2011 when he made his Major League debut and pitched with them through 2014. So, I mean, this is a guy who's been a Major League pitcher since 2011. And all of a sudden, he's got to take a minor league deal. Now, that has something to do with the free agency situation right now in baseball. And I'll get to that more a little bit during the headlines of the week. But I, I'm, I'm starting to put together the, the not maybe not the belief, but at least saying that there's a possible opportunity that the Brewers do go into the season with the group of starting pitchers that they currently have. I think all of us, including me, have had this assumption that the Brewers are going to make at least one more move, that these these guys that are out there, whether it's on the free agent market with Jake Arrieta and Lance Lynn and Alex Cobb, whether it's on the trade market with uh, with a Chris Archer, I think we, we've all kind of thought, okay, for sure the Brewers are going to make a move on one of those guys. And you know what? They probably still are. There's probably better than a 50% chance that they're still going to end up acquiring one of those players or a player that's kind of in that in that category. But where maybe I thought there was a 90% chance or an 80% chance of that happening even a week ago or a couple weeks ago, absolutely, you know, immediately following the acquisitions of Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain, I 100% almost thought that, okay, they're still going to, they're still going to go out and get somebody, and then when the, uh, you know, just prior to that, uh, the the talk about you Darvish and the contract that they had uh, offered them, I continued to think that yes, uh, they were going to go get somebody, and now just hearing the way that David Stearns talked about them really weighing out the options and trying to decide whether or not this individual is really going to be upgrading your team, they've got confidence in their current group, and there's going to be competition in that rotation spot. I, I don't, we're going to talk with Kyle Lesneski in a little bit about who he thinks is going to end up in the rotation in spots number uh, four and five after Anderson, Davies, and Chassin. But there's a lot of guys who right now are competing for that, and competition absolutely is a good thing. So we'll see. Uh, I'm just I'm not quite as you know 100% convinced that the Brewers are going to go get a starting pitcher, another starting pitcher before the season starts. I still think they probably will. But I'm, I'm starting to open up for the possibility that this is the group in terms of the starting rotation that they go into the uh, regular season with. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be that way all season. Uh, but I, I think there's a little momentum right now against those guys getting signed. But they are out there. They're out there. And if they continue to remain out there and those prices continue to come down, at some point you almost don't have any choice but to go and uh, make a move at one of them. All right, here's what's coming up on the program. As mentioned, uh, Kyle Lesneski is going to join us, the managing editor at Brew Crew Ball. And uh, he'll join us coming up in uh, just a little bit with our social media conversation. But first, let's get to this week's Headlines of the Week. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week. And we do start with the signing of Wade Miley. It is a minor league deal with an invite to spring training. So essentially that means he's not added to the 40-man roster. And he comes into spring training with an opportunity to try to win a job. If he does win a job, uh, the money's not going to be uh, that crazy. He would get a $2.5 million base salary, and there's about $3.2 million more available in, in uh, incentive. So it is an incentive-laden contract. 
We've got an odd situation right now with the free agency in baseball. And we've talked a lot on this program, and I've talked when I've been hosting on WTMJ about the current situation with free agents. And we saw it with Eric Hosmer on Sunday. We're going to see it with all the other top-tier free agents, whether it's a Jake Arrieta, a Mike Moustakis, whoever you want to mention. But once you get past those half dozen, six, seven, eight guys that are kind of that top-tier free agent, there's a lot of guys out there in that next tier that might have a real hard time getting a job. And I think we saw that with Wade Miley because – Teams are going to say what they have in their minor league system, what they already have. You know, you have to have – you got guys available at spring training. Like there's there's no real motivation to go sign a Wade Miley. And I think this even affects Neil Walker to a certain extent, which is why uh, Brewers fans continue to talk about Walker maybe eventually revisiting with him. There's a point where these guys are going to have a hard time finding jobs. So if you're Wade Miley – and you can go get some you know, guaranteed money, a guaranteed job, even if you don't make the team and you're at AAA, at least you're getting a paycheck as opposed to not having a job at all. Uh, good for him. And you know what? It's a guy with a lot of big league experience who wants to fix a mechanical flaw, who's going to come in and compete, who seemingly uh, took the correct approach during the course of the offseason to be ready for spring training. There's a lot of reasons to think that, Maybe at some point over the course of the 2018 season, uh, Wade Miley is somebody who uh, could potentially help this team. Uh, according to manager Craig Council, right now uh, Brent Suter does have one of the inside tracks to be in one of the starting pitching spots. That's probably the most compelling uh, storyline right now in camp of well, who those five starting pitchers are going to look, who they're going to end up being. A lot of people look at Brent Suter and they say this is a guy who should be in long relief and not be a starter. But as it sits right now, with experience, you know, Suter pitched well, especially in the last month of the year last year. As it sits right now, uh, he is somebody who has an inside track for one of those spots. We'll see what it looks like going forward, but that's where uh, he is at here uh, at the current moment. Uh, Junior Guerra. He is being looked at for a spot in the starting rotation. Don't forget, this is a guy who's your opening day starter last year, coming off a uh, just a fantastic season a couple seasons ago. And even though he was moved to the bullpen, I think a lot of people thought, okay, here's a guy who's going to be in the bullpen for the rest of his uh, big league career. Uh, it's he's going to be looked at as uh, you know in competition for the starting rotation. Pitched well enough uh, during winter ball. In fact, we're going to talk more about that with uh, Kyle Lesneski coming up here in uh, just a uh, moment or so. But keep an eye on Junior Guerra. This is not somebody who has just been lost. But this starting rotation, you know, those final two spots as it sits right now, Brent Suter, Junior Guerra, Brandon Woodruff, Brandon Woodruff, Giovanni Gallardo, Wade Miley, Aaron Wilkerson. Those are the guys that are competing for two spots. That's a lot of competition for two spots. And if the Brewers do go sign one more pitcher or acquire one more pitcher, then all of a sudden you've got all those guys competing for just one single spot. If competition makes you better, then all these guys should be getting better. And uh, it's going to be fun to see how that, uh, how that all works out. Also, uh, David Stearns was asked about the idea of Jonathan Lucroy and a possible um, bringing him back. He's still a free agent out there, and you know, really, there's not a lot of chatter on Lucroy here uh, right now. 
does not sound like the idea of him coming back to the Brewers is something that is uh, likely at this point. The team very much is going forward with uh, some combination of Manny Pena with along with either Stephen Vogt or uh, Jet Bandy as the two catchers going into uh, next year. And you know, Luke Roy, as far as his stature, and he, you know, he was. He was obviously one of the best at his craft when he was a member of the Brewers, but the advanced metrics say that, especially from a defensive standpoint, he has fallen off. Uh, with the pitch framing and with everything else, he's fallen off here over the last uh, couple of years. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of Brewers fans out there that would love to see Luke Roy back with the team. It's just something that, at least for now, does not seem to make a whole lot of sense, and it was basically confirmed that, no, the team is not uh, taking a look at him here at this point in time. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. It is now time for our social media conversation. Very happy to uh, welcome in the uh, managing editor, uh, managing editor, excuse me, over at uh, Brew Crew Ball. You can also read him uh, at uh, BP Milwaukee. It is uh, Kyle Lesneski. Kyle, great to talk to you. How are you doing today? I sure can't complain. At least the weather's been ticking up here the last couple of days, although I hear it's supposed to yeah, and it's an interesting time right now with the Brewers. We don't have a we don't have a ton of news to report, uh, but every time anything happens uh, anywhere else in baseball, there's folks out there who try to connect it to possibly something Brewers related. For example, Corey Dickerson getting uh, DFA'd. Everybody's like, okay, well, maybe they're opening up a spot for Domingo Santana and a trade's going to get done. What, as, you know, Spring training's underway, and we'll get into that in a second, but just what are your general thoughts right now on the potential for at least one more fairly big move by the Brewers uh, before opening day? Um, you know, I, I definitely can't close the book on anything like that right now, especially considering all the guys that are still sitting out there in free agency. Um, you know, David Stern has been saying that, as he's been saying all along all winter, you know, we're comfortable with the guys that we have, and, and you know, we, we feel confident going into the season with this group, and, you know, pretty much every GM is, is going to express confidence in his team as, you know, a, a sort of way of posturing and, and not tipping his hand too much any one way or the other, and, you know, it's certainly possible that, that the Brewers do feel great about the guys that they have in-house, but there still are some very enticing uh, players out there on the free agent market as well as the trade market that could probably be had. So, you know, I'm sure that maybe not today since it's his birthday, but I'm sure that David Stearns is doing a lot of work in the phones and, and gauging all these different uh, different possibilities for player acquisitions. It certainly wouldn't surprise me. Uh, at least one more thing get done before, before the regular season begins. Come on, just because it's his birthday, we both know that he's he's doing some work today. <laughs> I guess I, I don't think that if, uh, if uh, Eric Neander from the Rays were to give him a call, I'm sure he'd probably find time to answer the phone. <laughs> uh, this past week, they have a minor league signing in Wade Miley, and we're in a we're in a really weird world right now in terms of baseball free agency with all these free agents out there. You know, we, we just saw Eric Hosmer sign a deal. We know that the the top tier free agents, we know that the Jake Arrietas, the Mike Moustakas, those stature of players, those, those guys are going to find jobs. But that second level of free agent, there's no guarantee that those guys are going to find jobs. 
and all of a sudden we're probably going to see a run on those guys signing minor league contracts the way made, uh, Wade Miley just uh, did. What's your takeaway off uh, the, the crew bringing in uh, Miley? Um, I mean, Miley is fine, I guess, as a minor league signing. Um, if they had signed him to like a major league deal and came out and said, all right, this guy's going to be our number four starter, and we've only got you know one spot now that guys are going to be competing for, I feel a little bit different about it. Uh, Miley has kind of struggled the last few years. I guess really his last very season was in 2012, and he's, he's kind of been up and down since then. He led baseball in walks last season, um, posted an ERA up over five and uh, over 100 innings with the Orioles. So um, it has really kind of struggled these last couple of years. And um, after his signing uh, in an interview, Miley said that there were some mechanical things that he identified with personal pitching coach over the winter that, uh, you know, he's hoping to work on and, and maybe help him produce some better results. And uh, the Brewers front office has also indicated that they've got a few, uh, few things that they've seen that, you know, they're going to help him work on and, and hopefully help turn him into a productive player. Uh, you know, for a minor league signing, this is basically a no-risk move for the Brewers. He's not on the 40-man roster. He doesn't have to be on the opening day roster. Um, it's a pretty minimal guarantee, only $2.5 million and. Um, three, and I want to say $3.2 million in incentives. And, you know, if he ends up earning the whole $5.7 million that he can, then it, it certainly means that he did enough to, to pitch all those games and to earn those incentives. So it would probably be a good thing if he, if he does that. But um, I don't think that they're counting specifically on him um, to make any sort of major contribution. It's more of just kind of taking a flyer on a guy who is still out there as a decent track record throughout his career could be somebody to help fortify that I'm interested in this because you, you, you talk about the mechanical flaws, and I feel like Derek Johnson as a pitching coach, probably he's very good with young pitchers, but I also think he's probably pretty good with uh, veteran-type pitchers who maybe need to redevelop some things, work on the mechanics. Just to, the the background he has, having worked uh, with, with college kids and everything, I'm, I'm, I'm curious what it's going to look like when Derek Johnson starts to get his hands on, uh, on Wade Miley. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly got a lot of guys to keep point to that, um, that have been successful throughout his tenure with the Brewers. Um, you know, Chase Anderson obviously had his big breakout season last year at uh, age 29. Same thing with um, with Jimmy Nelson at age 28. Those guys both had, you know, three, four years almost in the league before they, you know, took that next step under Derek Johnson's tutelage. Uh, you can look at a guy like Corey Knable who came out last year and, and broke out in the closer's role and, um, guys in the past, like Junior Guerra in 2016, uh, had, a, had a wonderful season under Jared Johnson, the pitching coach. Um, so, you know, it, there's certainly the possibility that Johnson will be able to help find some find some of this talent out of Wade Miley and help them pitch better. And um, You know, I think the Brewers throughout Johnson's tenure going forward are probably going to continue to take risks on a lot of guys like that, um, hoping that they can bring them into the organization and their analytics department and and the uh, coaching department under Derek Johnson can help them identify some things that'll improve. 
You uh, had a question and answer, uh, a mailbag deal over at uh, Brew Crew Ball recently, and somebody asked about who you think will take those final two spots in the rotation. We know that Anderson, Davies, Chassin, they are your top three starters, and then there's a gaggle of guys competing for the four and five spot right now. You listed Junior Guerra and Brent Suter as the four and five starters, essentially meaning uh, Giovanni Gallardo, Brandon Woodruff would not make it into the rotation. So what's your uh, what's kind of your rationale between uh, behind choosing those guys, and obviously we're so early. Yeah, the the their production is going to have a large say in this. But right now, no production in spring to go off of. So as we sit here right now, what makes you uh, go with uh, Guerra and also Suter? Um, you know, we we kind of seen throughout uh, David Stern's time in Milwaukee that uh, he he really likes to keep as many players within the organization as he can. And um, unfortunately for a guy like Brandon Woodruff still, you know, a top 100 prospect in baseball and, you know, showed some positive things uh, during his stint in Milwaukee last year, although um, the bottom line results weren't very pretty. Um, you know, unfortunately for a guy like him and for Aaron Wilkerson, uh, those are two guys with minor league options remaining. They don't have very likely track records at the MLB level. Um, so from a roster building standpoint, I could see why it would make a lot of sense for those guys to begin the year in the minor leagues just so that they can keep guys like um, Guerra and Gallardo, who are both players who can't go to the minor leagues without being placed on waivers, um, on the 25-man roster, assuming that everybody's healthy, of course, and, uh, you know, get a little bit of a longer look at them, um, maybe through April. And You know, I, I certainly don't think that it's gonna that the starting rotation on opening day is going to stay as the same starting rotation throughout 2018. You know, we see every single year that, between 8 and 10, maybe even more guys end up getting starts at the major league level. Um, but just kind of looking at the way the roster is composed right now, it, it, it's not tough to see how um, how Guerra could sneak his way into the rotation coming off of a very strong showing in winter ball. Uh, 269 ERA over 77 innings between the regular season and playoffs uh, down in Venezuela. And then Brent Suter, who uh, Craig Council noted, already kind of has a leg up on making the roster, um, you know, he showed a lot of positive, a lot of positives last year. Three point four two ERA and over eighty innings with the Brewers. Um, you know, ultimately, maybe his profile is a little bit better suited for long relief. Um, you know, has a lot of issues going through uh, the third order, the third time through the order with guys. Um, but that's you know, having another guy like Gallardo then in your bullpen, you know, a, a guy who has experience going multiple innings on top of guys like Josh Hader and uh, even Jeremy Jeffers has shown he can go multiple innings. Uh, I think that that's the spot in the rotation. We might we might see some different sorts of things with that uh, based on the personnel that the, that the team has in-house. Specifically with Junior Guerra, how much stock can you really put up, put into what what somebody like he does in winter ball? Well, I guess it's it's less about the the bottom line results. It's what he showed while he was getting to those results. Um, obviously, the biggest bugaboo with him last year was his inability to command the baseball at walked five and a half batters per nine innings. Um, but he was able to slice that basically in half while he was down in Venezuela, was able to hit the strike zone which was with much more consistency. Um, and I, I also um, kind of went back and forth with uh, a scout who works down in, um, for that league, 
does a lot of scouting out in that league. Um, it got some velocity numbers on here. It sounds like he's back up in that 92, 94-mile-an-hour range, or at least he was during the winter. Um, so his velocity sounds like it's back where it should be. And, uh, you know, Tom Hartford had an interview with him that he posted on Jazz Online a little bit earlier this morning, and it sounds like he's got a really um, really good mindset heading into the season. And, uh you know, the, the team kind of thinks that maybe part of the reason that he struggled so much last year was because, you know, the, the previous eight winters he had spent pitching in Venezuela, and that was the first time that they that anybody had kind of pulled him away from winter ball. Um, so they're wondering, there was some kind of open wondering if that had some sort of adverse effect on him. And, of course, there was that injury on opening day as well. So um, certainly was a lot of things kind of working against Junior last season, and um, you know, it sounds like things are moving in a positive direction, and I'm certainly excited to see what he can do this spring. And even if he's not the guy that he was in, in 2016, if he can come back and be a league average pitcher, that would be a pretty big first rotation. Do you buy uh, Giovanni Gallardo as a bullpen guy, or is it rotation or bust for him? Um, I actually I would be interested to see what he could do out of the bullpen. Um, you know, he's still got that really nice uh, fastball slider combination. His velocity picked back up a little bit in the starting role last season. And, you know, put a guy in a bullpen, he'll usually bump that up a little bit more. Uh, but the interesting thing about Gallardo, too, is that his curveball is graded out really well throughout his career. And uh, he just has never really thrown it an awful lot. But in the, in the, in the um, same side that you have, the curveball has always been a positive pitch for him. And that's kind of one thing that I've noticed that the Brewers seem to have identified in a few of their pitchers. Um, Jimmy Nelson, Chase Anderson, and Zach Davies last year all under Derek Johnson uh, upped their curveball usage kind of at the expense of their fastball and slider usage and um, all saw positive results. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if uh, Johnson and the Brewers were kind of looking at Gallardo in that same sort of way as a guy who you know, maybe if you throw your fastball and your slider a little bit less and are willing to kind of work off the curveball a little bit more, it can help lead to more success. Do you see any scenarios we switch over to catching? Do you see, you know, everybody says that it's a competition and, you know, Jet Bandy has a chance to make this team and I realize he, he doesn't have options, so you, you, you risk losing him. But do you see a scenario where Jet Bandy can either, either they would carry three catchers or Bandy could beat out vote for, uh, for one of those jobs? Um, I, I don't really foresee any kind of instance, especially with the way that their roster composition is now, where they would enter the season with three catchers on the roster. Um, you know, Craig Council did kind of indicate that it would be sort of an open competition for that uh, that other spot on the roster. And he has a spot that, um, you know, it'll be between both and uh, throughout the spring. And it sounds like the biggest issue that they're trying to see out of even both is uh, whether or not he'll be able to improve a little bit defensively over how he was last season. Um, you know, we saw that he can do some nice things with the bat, uh, got a lot of pop in that left-handed bat. It's certainly nice to have a left-handed catcher that you can pair with the, with the right-handed um, Manny Pena. But, uh, you know, struggled mightily throwing out runners, and uh, he's going to have to shore that up in order to in order to play a big role on next year's team. And, you know, I guess it's worth keeping in mind too that Jet Bandy kind of had some own issues, um, own issues of his own that way, throwing out runners last season. Um, but does I guess have a little bit more of a sturdy defensive reputation throughout his career than, than both of 
Sanchez. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see ultimately what shakes out. But I guess at this point, if I had to handicap it, I would say that I would expect to start the season with Manny Pena and Stephen Boat on the roster. We're talking right now with uh, Kyle Osneski. You can, uh, he's the managing editor over, editor over at Brew Crew Ball. You can also uh, read him at BP Milwaukee. And with that, I want to jump over the uh, the P-Coda data comes out uh, this past week from Baseball Prospectus. And it uh, the preseason prognostication has the Brewers winning 83 games. That's third place in the Central. The Cubs have 92. The Cardinals, 84. Uh, the Brewers, 83. Other notable things in the NL West, it has the Diamondbacks at 86 and the Giants with 84 so if everything plays out the way it plays out Nationals, Cubs, Dodgers would win their divisions. Cardinals Brewers, D-backs and Giants would be the four teams really competing for the two wild card spots so just when that data came out and you saw the Brewers uh, projected 83 wins what was your takeaway? Um, You you know I saw a lot of people kind of getting a little bit up in arms when when the Pocota data was released uh, but for me, when you look at numbers like that, it's important to keep in mind that the way that they arrive at those totals is they run thousands and thousands and thousands of simulations, and they take the 50th percentile of what those of what those simulations come out in. So for me, it's it's less of well, the Brewers are only going to win 83 games; they won 86 last year, yada yada yada. That was a lot of the complaining that I saw. Um, but in my mind, what's more important than specific win totals out of projections like that, it's just kind of where everybody else lines up. So, you know, the Brewers may win 86 games. They may not win 86 games. We don't exactly know. But at least what the projections are telling us is that while the Cubs are the clear favorite in the division, and I don't think anybody could realistically argue that right now, um, the Brewers should be right in the thick of that wild card race. As, as you noted, there's, you know, uh, four teams or so that are that are right in that sort of area, and if, I, even if you open it up um, down to eighty-one games, I think there's like six teams or so projected to win between eighty-one and, and eighty-six games by Dakota. So you know, it, all those teams are are very close in their sort of true talent level, I guess. Um, but it'll just kind of be interesting to see how it all plays out. You know, the the standard deviation on any projection like that is anywhere between five and six wins. So, you know, the Brewers are projected to win 83 games, but based off of that data, it wouldn't necessarily be surprising for them to win anywhere between 77 and 89 games or something like that. So, you know, the the positive aspect of, of those projections is that the additions that the Brewers made over the offseason firmly entrenches them or should firmly entrench them in the playoff case for the upcoming year. Let me finish you off with this. Last year, the Cubs coming off a World Series, obviously, it took a little while for them to get going. They finally did. Now coming off a year where they, they, they're not coming off a championship, would you just from an you know from an outsider perspective looking in, would you expect they're going to be rolling right from the beginning of the season that's going to feel a little bit different than last year with the Cubs? Um, you know, I guess, I guess maybe, uh, you know, it's a, it's a long season. And even though the Cubs, 
you stumbled, I guess, a little bit out of the gate last year. They still won. They still won more than ninety games on the whole in the season. They had their hot streak and, and ended up pulling away from the rest of the division. And we saw it with the Brewers last year too. You know, they got off to a, a decent start, and then all of a sudden, in the middle of the season, they had a they had a pretty big hot streak, and then they had a really big cold streak, and they ended up, you know, losing. I I forget what it was. Ten out of ten out of twelve games or something like that in July, coming out of the All Star break. Uh, so yeah, it's a long season, and games in April count just as much in the win column as games in September do. So you really can't look at a season and say, well, we've got to get off to a hot start and this and that. And if you can play consistent baseball throughout the year and play winning baseball throughout the year, on the balance, you'll, you'll be able to be in contention. Kyle, great stuff. Uh, what's every day? It seems like there's multiple uh, multiple pieces of content coming out over at uh, Brew Crew Ball. What do you guys have going on right now? Um, this past week, you know, we kind of looked at different storylines to keep an eye on in spring training. Um, we've talked a lot about uh, prospects. We just finished up our top thirty prospect voting. Um, going forward, we're kind of con- going to continue breaking down um, what's going on in spring training. We're going to start doing uh, position by position previews and maybe take a look at what our you know bold predictions for the season are going to be and all that sort of stuff. So a lot of preseason coverage, looking at the different position battles, especially uh, looking at positions like behind the plates and second base and the starting rotation and you know keeping keeping Brewers fans covered on all the different aspects of the team as we head towards the regular season. The website is brewcrewball.com. You can also uh, follow them uh, on Twitter as well, at brewcrewball. You and your staff do uh, a fantastic job. Always appreciate your time. Enjoy the week. And uh, who knows, but, you know, we're recording this right now in the you know, late afternoon on Sunday. Maybe something's going to happen late Sunday night, and half of what we talked about with the starting pitching is going to be uh, not even uh, not even necessary by the time people listen. But that's, that's kind of the way things are right now, Kyle. We don't know when that next shoe might drop drop or if it's ever going to drop during the course of spring training yeah it's certainly been a really weird winter and you know who would have thought we'd see uh one of the top free agents on the market have to wait until you know the middle of february to sign a 125 million dollar deal or 140 million dollar deal that uh, eric cosmer just got so i guess at this point with guys like Cobb and, and lynn and Arietta still sitting out there and chris Bercher still on the trade market anything could really happen absolutely thanks kyle My pleasure. Always a pleasure to come on. Thanks for the opportunity. And that's just about going to do it for this edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Once again, our appreciation to uh, Kyle for joining us here on the program. Uh, Some big news this past week. WTMJ officially announcing the spring training broadcast. The first spring training broadcast is coming up uh, this Saturday when uh, the Brewers will uh, take on the Angels and Tempe on uh, WTMJ. That's going to be a 2 o'clock start. They'll play Cleveland on Monday the 26th, and uh, that's going to be a 155 start. So those are going to be the first two spring training broadcasts, and uh, each week here on the program, here towards the end, we'll go over what's going to be uh, coming up uh, next on uh, the spring training broadcast schedule. But 
Uh, a bunch of games are going to be uh, on. 14 of the Brewers spring training games uh, will be on WTMJ this year, and we are looking forward to being able to bring those to you. All right, once again, my thanks to uh, Kyle Lesneski for joining us on the program. This has been Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Again, if you ever want to get in contact with me, you can do so. All you got to do is uh, tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air, and uh, we'll talk some Brewers uh, over there at Twitter. Thanks so much for being tuned in. We'll talk to you next week for another episode. It's Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.